0: The MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan.
1: So what is happening to cryptos in 2022? Cryptos are down nearly 50% since their peak of November last year. Some analysts seem delighted at this news, tweeting, I told you so, to their followers. Actually, Bitcoin and cryptos have been through far worse in the past. Writing off cryptos has become something of a fool's errand since they're always capable of springing a surprise. You never know what's around the corner with cryptos. So to discuss this, I am joined by Sean Saunders of Revix, Marius Rates of Luno and Gianluca Sacco, otherwise known as G of Valor. Thanks very much for joining us guys. Okay, uh, I wanna first of all, welcome you. Uh, I I would say happy new year. It is the start of the new year. This is a whole new year, year, year for cryptos. Can I ask you, each to respond to the issue I raised in the intro, why cryptos are down 50% since the beginning of the year. And if we could start with you, Sean, if you could answer that first.
2: Oof! So there's loads of, I guess, answers that can come in here. I suppose you're seeing general risk off, right? I mean, uh, you've seen increased interest rates potentially in the US. That means that you're seeing a lot of money moving out of tech stocks. Uh, Crypto seems to be pretty highly correlated with uh, sort of the, the tech stocks. And yeah, I guess it's been... You know, it's been a bit of a slide over the last few weeks, but we seem to have found a bit of a bottom. Um, and then you've had just general profit taking. I mean, it was a year where the crypto market grew over 75%. Um, so I think just a bit of profit taking, you know, more generally speaking is also a good thing there. And, you know, we're just part of this market cycle, right? Crypto goes in these cycles where you see these really big booms and then there's pullbacks. And I think that's really what you've seen now.
1: Gianluca, if I can put the same question to you, why are we seeing cryptos down so much since November last year?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of what Sean
0: said makes a lot of sense. Um, This is a market that's had a really, really hot 2021 overall, Um, like many assets that are currently in the top 10 are up like 100x, right? So um, I think it's it's, the expectation for assets to just go up forever is probably not a reasonable one. Um, when you're looking at at, at the crypto markets. Um, and so you'd almost expect, right, after like a really, really hot run in, in in many assets that you'd see a little bit of a pullback for probably quite a few reasons. I think a lot of what Sean mentioned um, is, is, are, are some of the reasons. Um, I think I'd also highlight that um, the Federal Reserve in the U.S., speaking about tightening and increasing interest rates, probably leads to a little bit of, um, you know, like, traders saying, hey, let's take a little bit of risk off. Let's have a look at reducing positions in risky assets. And crypto currently, unfortunately, is no exception to that. Right. So you would have seen a little bit of um, sell off, at least most recently, in response to to that kind of mumbling from from the Fed.
1: Mario, same question to you. Uh, there's two out of three. Are we seeing cryptos behaving much like you would expect to see tech stocks in the United States? You know, uh, stocks like Tesla and hmm. Apple and Amazon. Kieran, yes, I think
3: I echo the sentiment uh, shared already. I think um, it, volatility is the ongoing theme for for Bitcoin and for the cryptocurrency markets. So I think it's it's really been, um, you know, as weird well as it may sound, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, we typically see pullbacks of between thirty to fifty percent after after an extended period of of, of price you know, price increases. So. I think Bitcoin is down 40% um, over the past three months, so it's still in normal territory. I don't think we've entered a bear market yet. I still think we are in a longer-term you know, bull market at this point. So it's normal activity, and, and perhaps again, just a reminder to everyone that the market, the crypto market, is very volatile. Right? So, so don't risk more, more capital than you can afford to lose.
1: Yeah, Sean, I saw that Revix put out a newsletter, um, maybe yesterday or this morning, saying that we're not in a bear market. Um, maybe just outline why you say that, uh, because a lot of people are saying we're, we're kind of at a crossroads. This could be the beginning of a bear market or it could just be we're hitting a bounce point. Maybe expand on that. What's your view is?
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if you do look at the crypto market, I mean, we have seen a big pullback. There's no denying that. Uh, Bitcoin's still up roughly around, in round terms, at least 7% year on year. I mean, the top 10 cryptocurrencies, uh, as measured in our top 10 bundle, I mean, that's up almost uh, 72% over the last 12 months. So to, to, to sort of say that we're in a bear market when you are seeing sort of that year-on-year return, I mean, it's a bit odd, right? Sure, we've seen a big pullback from the market top, um, but, you know, as they're say saying, crypto sort of zoom out, look at the bigger term picture here. And that's really, I think, you know, sort of what I'm looking at. And that's most of the people within our team are looking at as well. Um, and that's the narrative, really. I think, you know, a lot of people look at at crypto over a very short time frame, one month, three months, six months. But the real narrative here is over the last 10 years. I mean, this is the top performing asset class, regardless of sort of which period you decided to enter. If you entered a year ago, you're still up. If you entered five years ago, you are really up. Um, if you then were one of those really early adopters, you're smiling. I mean, you're, you, you've invested in the top performing asset class, um, arguably of all time. And I think that's really the narrative. When we're saying, let's look at the potential of the crypto asset class when we look forward. I mean, the industries that it's looking to disrupt. I mean, you're seeing the evolution of the financial system right here. I mean, that's really exciting. How big is the financial system to disrupt? I mean, debt, however big the crypto market is now, what's it about $2 trillion? I um, mean, it's many multiples of that. So that's sort of the narrative that I certainly get behind when we look at this space.
1: All right, G, I want to uh, just change gear a little bit. 2021 was something of a watershed year for cryptos, right? It was a year that cryptos went mainstream, institutions started to show it love, you know, for the first time, really started to show it love and some really interesting crypto projects went public. What, in your opinion, were the highlights of 2021?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, it was a really interesting year. I think some highlights in my mind, and there were many, to be honest with you. um, I'd start off with, this narrative that ran through much of the year and kind of the darling assets of 2021 were alternative layer one blockchains that had kind of smart contract capability of some sort. So I'd speak of Solana, Avalanche, um, and a couple of others that um, were kind of vying for um, the throne um, of being able to build like programmable blockchains and potentially blockchains of really high speed um, and throughput. Um, We've kind of found... If you think back a little bit further to 2020, there was this boom in DeFi. Um, Ethereum was the blockchain on which a lot of the action was happening, um, and throughput on Ethereum um, got like it's 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 not significant, right? And so you saw that uh, the fees to transact on the Ethereum blockchain skyrocketed. Lots of people were priced out of um, participating in DeFi, um, and 2021 kind of people, I think took stock and thought to themselves, like, this sucks as a user experience right now. Uh, so what 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 can be, you know, what, what can be done differently? Um, and you saw alternative L1 blockchains that were much higher throughput um, gain at least uh, momentum in terms of price, I'd say. Um, and, and in terms of, like, product development as well. So, like, lots of interesting projects being built. Things like full order books in a decentralized manner that's not linked to a centralized exchange, kind of built on-chain. Um, and it gave us a glimpse into what, like, 10x increase in um, throughput on blockchains might look like, right? So I think that was that was the first thing that was really really interesting. Um, the second, um, I think, is growth in dollar stablecoins. Um, so at the start of 2021, we were looking at something like 30 billion dollars in, in in stablecoin circulating supply. By the end of 2021, that was 140 billion. So like that's that's a notable increase, right? Um, and, right. and part of that just, growth,
1: yeah. Just explain why we saw that growth in stablecoins.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like dollar um, stable coins and specifically USD um, has become kind of the quote asset for the crypto space in many applications. It's the asset that everyone rebalances back into and like prices everything in, right? Um, So like many applications in decentralized finance, um, especially where like people are going to look for yield, you could get pretty good interest rates on dollar stable coins versus traditional USD. Um, And so I think a, a big part of that is just like people minting new USDC uh, and other dollar stable coins um, to, to, to go and chase yield. Um, I think other other applications is like almost in the payments field where um, dollar stable coins can move a lot more quickly than traditional fiat dollars. Um, and it's just like, I mean, to those who actually use it, it's pretty obvious that this is the future, right? Like these things move in fractions of a second for very, very cheap transaction fees on some blockchains. Um, and that, that kind of drove, drove. I think another, another element of this, just to wrap up on dollar stable coins is, um, there's set, like dollar stable coins that are backed one for one by dollars in a bank account and then there's under collateralized versions and we actually saw quite a lot of growth in the under collateralized um, implementation of dollar stable coins which would like kind of relieve the um, centralized risk on custodians of these assets which is really really interesting um, and so something to watch there is something like Terra UST uh, being the dollar the, the stable coin asset over there and then finally um, I think the last that was really interesting was the growth in NFTs, of course. Um, so we've seen this like, really new, weird part of the crypto space that's got very little to do with, uh, with um, you know, betting, betting on, on, on the, the next big blockchain, but rather like these unique assets that are represent, representation of art or fashion um, and people really, really jumping on board. I think this, like NFTs opened up um, crypto markets to a much wider audience of people that otherwise just wouldn't be interested in the space. And gave artists a way to kind of monetize their, their art in a new uh, fashion that kind of expands beyond um, borders that were previously set up, I think. So I think those were a couple of really interesting uh, things in 2021.
1: Okay. For people who are not familiar with cryptos, we're going to cycle back to a few concepts there like DeFi, decentralized finance, uh, stable coins and yield and, and the kind of yields that you can earn in the space. But let's come back to that. Marius, I want to tap your you for a second there on your highlights for the year. What did, What did you… What really stood out for you in 2021?
3: Kieran, I think 2021 was the crypto industry's biggest year to date, um, not only from a price perspective. Um, we spoke about price increases uh, earlier on, but I also, also think from an ongoing adoption perspective. Um, I think uh, we're starting to see cryptocurrencies value in emerging emerging markets. We saw glimpses of that in Nigeria last year. Um, businesses, individuals turning to cryptocurrency um, to you know, uh, um, due payments, remittances because of a, a scarcity in our currency. So that was an interesting interesting you know, use case that started to develop in, in, in Africa specifically. We saw El Salvador becoming the first country globally to adopt um, cryptocurrency as legal tender. That's going to be an interesting almost experiment that, that will follow very closely over the course of this year. Um, And then I think up until, you know, last year, most of the attention has been on cryptocurrencies itself. But in 2021, we saw the IPO of Coinbase, the largest, one of the biggest cryptocurrency platforms globally. And I think that's shifted or that's shifting the the attention from pure cryptos to the massive, complex uh, businesses behind these projects. And and I think uh, it's done and it's going to do, (coughs) apologies. A lot, <coughs> a lot for trust in the industry, Kiran, and um, and it should uh, provide comfort to lots of potential investors to uh, you know, to taking that first step into the cryptocurrency market. Um, and then, lastly, uh, uh, institutional ad- adoption was 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 the, the main theme over the past twelve months. Um, but it's also become easier for retail investors, individuals like like us, uh, to access cryptocurrency. To get exposure to cryptocurrency and a price increases, price movements without actually holding, uh, opening a crypto wallet and holding crypto, um, and so that's that's done by the introduction of Bitcoin ETFs. We saw the first future future based ETF launching on the Nasdaq last year, um, and again I think interesting development to to you know, to monitor over, over the course of twenty
1: twenty two. Okay, uh, Sean i think some of the things that we're picking up here are there is a real there are a bunch of real business cases that are developing or use cases behind cryptos and bitcoin in itself the the adoption we've talked about etfs or exchange traded funds the first the first futures based etf launched last year uh, this is only going to accelerate and of course it is does provide some sort of demand underpin for bitcoin but i mean i want to Get your sense of where you see the big trends happening this year N- nfts this is a remarkable development and i think a lot of us you know you know people paying millions of dollars for you know a graphical art image um but of course what it is doing is it's creating a whole economy around digital art that wasn't there before so th- this is this is something new and you, you, you can never write that off and also decentralized finance these the business case behind Ethereum and Solana and, and Avalanche and other projects like this. Talk to me about what you think the big themes will come out in 2022.
2: Oof, there's a lot of exciting themes and I like the smoke, by the way, when you mentioned NFTs. because. Yeah, I think as we said earlier in the, in the webinar, right? I mean, the space is weird, right? I mean, there is no denying that what's going on here is novel and it's at times very speculative, right? I mean, seeing digital pixelated rocks sell for millions of dollars, like, is that rational? Probably not, right? Um, but it is sort of laying the foundations of uh, what the NFT space is, how I at least see it, how it's going to evolve, right? Which is that you'll have digital blockchain-based ownership of assets in the real world as well as in the digital world, right? So you've had, you know, Malta as an example, uh, they've gone out and they've put all their land title deeds on a blockchain, right? On the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and that can be applied now to every other industry, right? You could have vehicles that could you know, exist on blockchains. So that's a real world item that then sits on a blockchain as well. Um, essentially, all of those are NFTs. So whether or not it's a a digital artwork, whether it's a tweet, whether it is a, a car, a house, you name it, like these are unique items that can be placed onto a blockchain. And that really then utilizes the blockchain for what it's good for, right? I mean, being able to sort of have immutable um, record of, of something, right? And that's, that's really the important part. And then when you have a transaction that occurs later on, when you look at selling a house or selling a car, I mean, it's on a blockchain, right? It's, there's no central registry where something could be corrupted. But I think if you look ahead at sort of the big trends for this year, I mean, Marius mentioned this, institutional adoption is just something that I'm constantly in awe of. I mean, just this last week, I was sitting with one of the major banks in South Africa, and I sat around a room of really remarkable people, and all they could speak about was how they could get crypto in the hands of their customers. So, you know, there is interest there. You've seen PayPal, Cash App. I mean, Facebook's tried as, or Meta, sorry, has tried as hard as they can to launch their own stablecoin. They haven't yet got that right. Um, but, you know, there's so much interest across the board. Uh, In the crypto space. I only think that's going to accelerate. Um, DeFi has a similar sort of feeling, at least to me, and I come from a traditional financial background, but it has a similar feeling, and certainly when I deal with some of my old colleagues um, as what XRP had in the early days, right? Like, you know, a lot of sort of crypto skeptics early on were like, I love XRP, I get that, you know, they're trying to disrupt the the Swift system, um, but I don't really get the rest of the crypto stuff. And I'm seeing that same sort of application now to DeFi, which is incredibly exciting. I mean, I'm a bit of a finance nerd and the DeFi space is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, And then you've seen the emergence of Web 3.0, the metaverse, I mean, all of these things have crypto as a commonality. Um, So, you know, I think maybe the last thing I was just mentioned is sort of regulation. I think this is something that, that, you know, Mm. we we are going to see more of going forward, right? You've seen uh, recently this last week, India come out, um, they've sort of proposed a unique regulatory system for cryptocurrencies as well as a unique tax. Um, you've seen Thailand do something very similar, Russia seems to be a little bit more in support of mining within, uh, within their borders, um, so yeah, I think the, the regulatory sort of discussions will continue and hopefully we'll see some regulations in South Africa, and um, that's definitely going to be a major trend.
1: Just before we go on, Sean, just maybe, what is Web3? Just explain that.
2: Oof, uh, Web3. So. Web 3.0 is where we go from having uh, what we know today as sort of Web 2.0. And I can go through the history, but I think just to save time, really, you've got websites that you can go into today. Um, They can be a little bit engaging, right? You can go on and you can maybe order, let's say, an Uber through an app or something like that, right? And you can then get into an Uber. Um, But everything's sort of like, you know, it's interactive. It's 2D. Um, A Web 3.0 is not necessarily moving to a 3D, certainly not. It can be, though, through the metaverse, I guess, in the future. But you're looking at an Internet that's far more decentralized, a lot more private, right? Currently, information can be tracked. Your IP address can be tracked. Uh, Ads can be served to you based on your interests and all the rest. Web 3.0 sort of takes your data and says, well, no, this is yours. You have the right to earn uh, rewards for this data that you that you're sharing with other parties, not necessarily the likes of Alphabet, you know Google or Facebook and all the rest. I mean that's a very simplified version, but it's sort of the evolution of the internet, sort of democratizing access to the internet as well as the security of the internet and improving that. I think those are sort of the main trends.
1: Right, and of course there are some coins that are built around the Web three. So, uh, so you've mentioned Web three as being one of the trends to watch, uh, NFTs being another one, institutional adoption. Gee. What, what, how do, what, what do you see the big trends to look out for?
0: I think um, this industry is now getting so big that it is actually like impossible to keep track of everything. <laughs> um, and I agree with everything that Sean said, plus more, to be honest with you. Um, so I think scalability continues to be a key trend this year. Um, we're probably going to see increased adoption of layer two technology built on Ethereum, um, stuff, you know, that, that, that uh, helps to increase the throughput on the Ethereum blockchain, something that's been a bit of an issue that I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm pretty excited and watching that really, really closely. Um, that kind of interfaces with um, a multi-chain world, a world in which there are multi- many blockchains on which people transact. Um, and the question that's raised when you think about that is, well, how do these, thing, how do these different blockchains interact with each other? Right? And so cross-chain bridges between different blockchains also, something that's being built today, very interesting. Um, you would have probably, and some of the listeners would probably have seen that um, there's there's there, there, there's been interesting developments in um, in in these cross chain uh, bridges very recently. Like there's been recently actually a, a, a hack on Wormhole Crypto, um, which is one of one of these cross uh, cross cross chain bridges, um, and that kind of highlights for me very quickly that all of this stuff is just so new and experimental. That um, there's still a high amount of like risk in here, in the sense that this is all beta technology, right? This is still early stuff, um, and 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 it requires a lot of refinement. Um, but it's groundbreaking. It's like um, to Sean's point earlier, like DeFi and many of these applications. It's just like thinking up finance from the ground up with new principles um, with like advanced technology. It's 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 really exciting stuff that maybe we can spend a little time getting into if we if if we do have a little bit more time. Um, I think. The last thing is, or a couple of other things actually. Sorry, uh, very quickly, I think dollar stablecoins continue to grow. Like that, that market cap probably probably continues to just accelerate, in my opinion. Um, and finally, decentralized autonomous organizations, or DAOs, um, that 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 can be used to govern uh, protocols in the crypto space, um, is something that people who are much smarter than me spend a lot of time thinking about, um, and 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 it seems to be that it's, it's, it's primed for some interesting developments in that space in um, trying to organize, um, basically, institutions that are uh, decentralized, that, that operate on a blockchain.
1: I want to go to Marius, and just, Marius, get your take on what should we be looking out for in 2022?
3: Kieran, if we look back over the, five, over the past five years, we've made tremendous progress as an industry you know, on many different fronts, from compliance, regulation, Access and you know, become easier for the average person to 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 depict those into cryptocurrency, um, but I think we're still largely in, in an asset phase where most first-time um, you know buyers do so from an investment or speculative perspective. So I do think that in the coming year we will probably see a spot a uh, spot Bitcoin ETF launching in the US. I think the market is becoming so large and and and, and uh, you know, sophisticated that that it's 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 imminent. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think that's firstly, access for retail customers uh, will, will become easier. Secondly, central bank digital currencies, I think is an interesting new theme that has developed over the past year or two. Uh, we saw the Central Bank of Nigeria um, launching the e project um, in November last year. Um, I think the, the intention behind it, financial inclusion, uh, to, 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 to address uh, you know, people being excluded from the financial system, um, and also to, uh, you know, to develop you know, cheaper payments. So, so that's yet to be seen. I think central bank digital currencies is an interesting uh, you know, development to bridge the world of traditional finance and decentralized finance. So it makes the concept of a digital currency probably a bit easier to understand for the average person. So I think um, that's something to keep those eye on. And then lastly, Uh, The other guys touched on that is regulation. Again, I think the market is becoming so massive that regulators are being necessitated to actually now take first steps and move from position papers into putting regulations in place. So locally, uh, we expect the Financial Sector Conduct Authority to provide further guidance to cryptocurrency platforms such as the three of us um, in terms of how we will be regulated going forward. Um, and also globally, you know, globally there's a global theme of regulators, um, you know, rumors in the U.S. that, that regulators will, will, will try and, you know, fast track regulation and we ultimately saw the the Libra project, you know, so to say going under over the past week or so, mainly because of, um, you know, disagreements between crypto companies and the private sector and regulators. So, so I think that, that bottleneck will have to be resolved over the next year or so, uh, you know, if we want to move crypto's mainstream. The next year,
1: great. Um, thanks for that, Marius. Uh, okay, so a question coming in here uh, from Tion It is a claim that NFT is merely a hyperlink, the cost of storing art in the blockchain could be too expensive. Any views? Does anybody want to take that up?
2: Uh, so, you know, Ethereum is clunky right now, right? I mean, 90% of NFT projects are running on Ethereum, it might even be a little bit more, and yeah, gas fees on the earth network are really high. Um, but this is sort of the early days, still, right? I mean, Ethereum has become a victim of its own success. Um, so will Ethereum be this clunky in the future? Probably not, right? I mean, you've got Avalanche, you've got Cardano, you've got Polkadot, you've got Solana, all these cryptocurrencies looking to become these blockchain superhighways uh, where all these applications are gonna be built on top of and NFT stored and all the rest. You know, you're going to have uh, all these projects that are going to be built across these platforms, and they'll— probably, you know, these will be blockchains that are interoperable as well. So they'll be able to talk to one another. Um, so I think scalability—it's just a function of time. We will be able to, you know, scale these different blockchains. The cost will come down materially, but it is going to take some time. I mean, at the end of the day, cryptocurrencies are protocols, i.e., they're software, really, right? So these these different protocols go through upgrades. I mean, we've seen Bitcoin go through multiple upgrades. Ethereum is busy going through a big upgrade. Um, to a proof-of-stake network. Um, so there's a lot still to happen here. So I think, you know, this is really the start of NFTs. Right now, we've known NFTs as being little digital art. And i sorry, I don't mean to be condescending, but, you know, there's sort of been, been this bubble in the crypto market, in the NFT space in particular. And, um, you know, we're not going to be knowing NFTs as digital art forever. I mean, this is definitely going to bleed over into the sort of music realm, into um, the more physical world as well. Uh, so I think that's, yeah, again, that's just something that will happen probably over the next few years.
1: Nobody's mentioned uh, from memory gaming coins. Gaming coins have been doing quite well. Gee, um, you know, like, uh, talk to us about that. You've got uh, a bunch of really interesting projects coming up there, the metaverse, uh, people buying real estate in the metaverse. Um, yeah. and, and, I mean, people might sort of roll their eyes at this. You know, what are you doing? you been buying a bit of space on a computer somewhere. Uh, is, yeah, is there is there any depth to that market?
0: It's interesting, right? So um, gaming is almost like the next extension that you'd imagine from profile picture NFTs. So like, what's worked uh, um, in the past um, is that like, your uh, representation of yourself in the digital world can be a profile picture that is an NFT that you own and can provably show that it belongs to you. Um, and like, for that, that I'm quite excited about, to be honest with you. I think like, the prices are in a bit of a, buddle, a bubble. Um, But at the same time, this is something that just didn't exist really in the past for me to say that this profile picture is one of one and it represents me (laughs) to some degree. Right. It's 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 a weird it's a weird um, um, concept to think about. Um, And to be honest with you, um, like the the, the spaces where really smart people disagree and argue a lot is generally the place where there's interesting stuff happening. Um, And I think that's true. Uh, when it re- as it relates to gaming, we've seen that um, like some large gaming houses have uh, made signals that they want to enter the NFT space. We've seen backlash from their customers saying that, "Hey, I do not want NFTs put into my gaming experience. All I want to do is play my play the games that I play." Um, and I think a lot of the like reason for that is that like um, gamers will view the production houses that that, that build video games as just profit taking, right? They'll they'll think of them as um, the, the, if, if they're going to try and um, shoehorn NFTs into a game, they're trying to take more money out of my out of my pocket. Maybe to some degree, that's 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 partly true, but there's a lot more to this than just than just that. I think um, we're seeing like full video games themselves being built on blockchains as well, um, which is which is which is quite interesting and just builds almost like a monetary layer into software that previously just didn't have this. Right. So imagine cases where you're playing video games and there's this native token that you can earn um for doing so if you're really good at that um yeah so i think I, th- I think gaming is interesting um i think like digital representation of physical goods i'm not too sure about myself but um potentially is also an interesting space um and that the NFT space is going to continue to find interesting applications as sean has mentioned
1: I mean, some of these gaming coins they did, I mean, the last time I looked, they, they were up, um, you know, some of them more than uh, 1,000, 10,000%, uh, I think. <laughs> yeah. the, this, of course, yeah. is what what makes this uh, talk about bubble um, so very real and pertinent to a lot of people. You know, when you see kind of gains like that, and, you know, well, what what is the use case? What is the business case behind that? Decentraland and, and uh, Axie Infinity and, and coins like that. Um, but yet the, 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 that is one of the big growth projected to be one of the big growth areas for blockchain development going forward. Would you agree with that, Gene?
0: I think so, to be honest with you. Um, look, again, TBD, right? Who knows? Like this, this could all go up in, in, uh, in smoke if, if it just doesn't have adoption from users. But I can totally see a path forward where um, users kind of come around to the idea that um, my games can include um, both like rewards uh, in, in, in crypto form um, and incentives uh, for like hardcore users, people who are um, who, who are power users of, of these applications and almost gives back something to them where previously they, they they would receive very little benefit from from engaging in this kind of art, right? Or this or this this um this this pastime. Um so I do agree. I think that there's there's opportunity here. Um I think like if we think about price action, the reason that these things were up ten thousand percent is that like at the outset, no one believed that this would work. Right? That 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 this was interesting at all to look at, and that's kind of where you see massive price increases. Is where there's there's um there's non, it's non consensus views. It's a, it's it's a it's something that just doesn't make sense at the outset, and then people gradually come around to the idea that um that these applications make sense.
1: Marius, uh, I want to swing back to Bitcoin. Bitcoin dominance. It's an interesting measure of. The general state of health, if you like, of the the crypto market. And a few years ago, Bitcoin accounted for 90, even 98 percent of the total market cap of cryptos. Of course, now it's it's down to about 40 percent. It does tend to swing and sway and it could come back up again. But what is this telling us about the general state of the market? The fact that Bitcoin is worth less than half of the total crypto market now?
3: Okay, I think it, I think it's healthy. Um, we're seeing traders rotating from Bitcoin to other coins because of potential, you know, better return on investment. But what we're also seeing is that during times of market turmoil, um, some traders see Bitcoin almost as a type of reserve or safe haven crypto. So, so during times of turmoil and, and markets dropping, you'll see Bitcoin Dropping, you know, less than compared to other altcoins, and we I think we saw it this time around as well. Um, of the top fifty coins, all fifty closed in a red, and Bitcoin did the best with a twenty-five or thirty percent drop. So, so I think um, as we continue uh, expanding on the on the, the asset, you know, the the asset use case for crypto as a store of value as well. Um, as I said earlier, most first-time buyers enter the space by holding Bitcoin and and on Luno. Um, 70% of, of first-time buyers uh, you know, in, invest into Bitcoin, right? So I think that's a good indication that Bitcoin is still the most popular from a mass market perspective. Um, and also when we're starting to see more crypto products being being built and, and, and are listed like ETFs, you'll typically see Bitcoin ETFs being the first instruments to be listed and to be offered to, to the public. So. I do think it's a, it's a, you know, it's it's part of the cycle, Kieran. As we see new speculative coins, uh, you know, becoming available, you'll have uh, speculators chasing those coins and and chasing the prices up. But during times of of you know sideways movement and times of you know the prices dropping, you'll see Bitcoin gaining dominance. And I think we saw that over the past. We could do Bitcoin dip below forty percent. I think it was thirty five, thirty six percent, and it's up you know, to the mid forties again. So so I think. Bitcoin can be seen as the U.S. dollar of the, the fiat world to some extent.
1: Right. The granddaddy of the crypto world, Bitcoin. Staying with you, Marius, a question here from David. He's asking, will Luno introduce more coins like Shiba in 2022? Shiba Inu.
3: Yeah, short answer yes. Um, you know, TPD whether we we will introduce Shiba. Um, but we will definitely look to introduce new coins this year and and I think just as a as a guide, we will look to, you know, we will we will probably look to offer the top ten coins uh you know if you if you look at the Coinbase, you know, top ten top ten index more or less. So so we'll definitely be adding four to five new coins over over the next couple of months.
1: I I'm not sure if Shiba is in the top ten. Um I think it's in the top twenty. But, but it, of course, it's, it's one of these meme coins. It doesn't really fulfill any function at all other than just being a lot of fun, like Dogecoin. Um, but I, I have a feeling it is in the in the top 20. All right. Um, Sean, I think I'm going to – this is from Musa. Um, he's asking a question about Web3, actually. Do you think once Meta introduces its coin, it will make the Web3 skyrocket in some sort? I don't know if you feel that you can answer that one. I think
2: I can, because Meta isn't launching their coin anymore. Uh, Silvergate, actually, who was the bank that was working uh, with the, the DM project. I mean, it went Libra, then became named DM and all the rest. Um, that actually got purchased yesterday, funny enough. Um, so recent yeah. development there. So Meta is no longer pursuing their own stablecoin. Um, Silvergate Bank, which is sort of the biggest crypto bank in the world now, if I'm not mistaken, a uh, listed company as well, uh, they are pursuing their own uh, stablecoin project. Um, but like I don't, I don't think there's one sort of stable coin to rule them all. Different stable coins work slightly differently, right? So you've got UST, which is different to USDT, which is different to USDC, and then there's BUSD. There's all these different stable coins that exist out there. Um, they have different mechanisms of proving that they have the reserves. So they've actually got the dollar assets somewhere, either in a checking account or you know in. Short, like short-term t bills or something along the lines of that, or they actually use other assets as collateral. So DAI, which is a, a fully collateralized or over collateralized actually, a stable coin, that doesn't have dollars. I mean, this acts like a dollar, so DAI acts very much like USDT or CUSD or true USD, um, but it doesn't have dollars essentially backing up the value of, of that one dollar worth of DAI. It's actually got Ethereum and you know, multi DAI then uses a whole bunch of other assets, but I don't wanna go down that rabbit hole too much. But the stable coins that, you know, making up more and more of the crypto market over time. I mean, we talk about a trend being uh, Bitcoin's dominance declining over time. Another trend, which, you know, not a lot of people talk about, uh, and G did mention it, though, is sort of the stable coins growth. I mean, gosh, like you look in the top 20 cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, you've had UST coming in there recently. USDT has just grown. Yeah, USDC has just grown as well. So there's a lot of interest in stablecoins. Um, you know, there's loads of benefits as to why you would like a stablecoin over a traditional currency. You know, you can act and, and transact with a cryptocurrency uh, 24/7, 365. You don't rely on sort of banking times. Um, transactions happen instantaneously. You don't have to wait on payments, and you don't have expensive SWIFT fees. So yeah, there is loads of benefits. Um, but I can continue down that rabbit hole. I'm going to pause it there. I don't know if there's any other questions around Web3 that I can tackle.
1: Right. And in fact, you did touch on a question. This comes in from Fahim and he's asking, will the demand for new stable coins increase in 2022?
2: I would be so surprised if, if there isn't an increase in demand. Um, as the crypto market grows, you're going to need to have sort of on ramps into DeFi, and you need to then have, you know, there's a big part of this market which is trading focused, right? And traders need to trade against some sort of a stable asset. Um, and stable coins make up that stable asset. So as the market grows, stable coins come in. So I, I do think that the stable coin market will grow massively. And um, you'll also see a lot of the uh, stable coin issuers, like Circle as an example, um, they are sort of moving forward to become, sort of fully, they are fully regulated institutions right now, but they're actually moving to become banks themselves. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time that uh, you've got essentially banks that are issuing their own stable coins. And I mean, is it really that far cry to start thinking about the likes of a standard bank, FNB, you name it, issuing their own stable coins in South Africa? Yeah, at this point, probably. But I think we would have said the same thing about El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as a legal tender and everything else that's happened in the crypto market over the last 12 months.
1: Right. And of course, there are a few RAND stable coins already in existence. I mean, Exile being one of them. Gee, if we can come back to you, because you you touched on. Stable coins a little bit earlier, maybe explaining what an under collateralized stable coin is, Um, and is that something that should alarm us? Because the USD Tether (USDT) is the largest stable coin that there is. It's, um, I think, in the crypto rankings, it's about number five or number six, somewhere around there. And yet it is. there are suspicions that it's not uh, not very safe or not, uh, not 100% collateralized. Maybe just explain why that's important. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, the distinction to draw are um, between assets that are intended to be 100% backed. So something like USDT, the intention is that there are sufficient dollars in the bank account to redeem all USDT in existence. Um, I think like to touch on, on, on a little bit of the, the concern with USDT specifically, I think they've done m- more recently, they've done quite a few audits to prove the reserves that they hold. Not all of those reserves are held in straight up dollars in a checking account, but some held in like uh, long dated bonds and some other like interest bearing instruments that are not like cash equivalents, but not actually physical cash. Um, and I think many have taken offense for that. <laughs> um it's not. It's not. Yeah. Then I think. Um, on the other hand, there are certain stablecoin assets that the intention is to see whether an undercollateralized stablecoin can work in the wild. Um, this is much more, um, much more fringe, much more. I think experimental um, and potentially like for many in the crypto space, they hate the idea of an undercollateralized asset. Um, bitcoin is the ultimate bearer instrument, right? It's an asset that you can provably say you own one bitcoin if you've got it in a wallet. Um, and, and, and there is absolutely no under-collateralization of that asset um, it, 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 built into the technology. It's not even possible. Um, whereas, like, for certain of these new stablecoin assets, the idea is that um, there is some amount, in some instances, there is some amount of assets that back uh, the value of a dollar stablecoin. Um, and then there is a mechanism to try and force that asset to stick to its peg of one dollar. And that's either through buying back or issuing new um uh units of that stablecoin if it deviates from its peg i think that's that's kind of the high level um explanation of one version of this of this type of asset there are many different implementations that people are testing for under collateralized stable coins um, and it's something to to just like observe i think at this point and just see see how that how that plays out to be honest with you by far and away um the largest stablecoin assets in issuance are fully backed um, and, and and collateralized assets, something like USDT and USDC account for a significant amount of the overall um, um, asset base of dollar stable coins.
1: Right. I, I mean, it is a, a fascinating development. The, the fact that you have these are they're, they're not fiat currencies. They're not dollars. But they are facsimiles thereof. They, so, and you can trade with them, and and a lot of places, even Rands, even Rand stable coins. You can yeah. purchase goods, I believe, in in China and places like that with with Rand stable coins, because they can be converted into cryptos very easily, or into any other in, in dollar stable coin. Sorry, we, we're running out of time here, but um, I, I want to have a wrap up um, to talk about. Uh, the, you, you know what each of you are doing f- for the coming months in terms of development before we get to that uh, there's a question here from vincent and the, the other question i'm sorry we're not going to get to one has got to do with tax alan um, we're, we're going to get back to you on that i think tax requires its own uh, special podcast vincent is asking about crypto arbitrage is there value in it given the current market level and uh, how does it work okay that, that's also quite a, a detailed discussion. Valor announced this week that it's pulling out of the crypto arbitrage market ovex which is another company and probably the biggest they pulled out of it uh, a few weeks ago uh others however see you know opportunity here and people like currency hub and future forex they're they're staying in it and uh but maybe very quickly g just explain why you're moving out
0: sure Um, So we sent our communications to all customers who um, expressed interest in in the Valor Arbitrage product um, this week. Um, We're exiting that space, uh, which is a small part of the Valor business because of updated requirements from our banking partners. Um, So we are going to be winding down um, that part of our business through to the end of this month. Um, And I think um, yeah, and I think like opening up space for um, other providers that, that, that have fewer restrictions on them, I suppose, uh, to go to, to, to enter the space further. One last thing I'll mention on this is that um, we care a lot about like serving our clients and, and, and offering the products that they, that they, that they, that they love using. Um, and we are in discussions with a number of alternative providers to see whether we can recommend that um, clients move on to any other um, crypto arbitrage provider that will give a similar level of service.
1: Okay, I mean a lot of readers, uh, MoneyWeb readers, write to us. They are a bit disbelieving, you know, that people can make two percent pretty risk-free. It's not that there's nothing yeah. risk-free. There's always risks attached to it, but um, the, the whole purpose of arbitrage is to try and eliminate eliminate those risks. Um, but you know, is it legitimate? Yeah, it's legitimate, and uh, is it legal? Yeah, it certainly is. I think a lot of the banks don't like it. They see money going out. They don't necessarily see the money that comes back in again when the profits are banked. Uh, But it still exists, and there are still providers out there. Okay. Um, Marius, if I can go to you. First of all, give us a sense of how your business grew. I mean, you you put out a press release a few months ago saying that your number of clients, and this is extraordinary, is up to 9 million worldwide. This is a South African company which has gone global. And... um, you're now part of uh, a much larger group based out of the United States, and and your ambition is to grow your client base to a billion. Tell us how uh, how far along that track you are,
3: Kiran. Yeah, thanks. We um, we passed the nine million customer mark last November. I think we almost almost uh, we've almost reached ten million customer mark. And I think the, the significant part of that is that almost a third of the 9 million customers only signed up over the past year. So I think that demonstrates the, the growth that we've experienced in the cryptocurrency industry over the past 12 months. Verna's um, mission is to upgrade the world to a better financial system. That's, not, uh, that's no easy feat. Um, we, um, we, and we will do that by making crypto uh, you know, accessible for the average person. So, so for us, in order to 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 you know to reach that lofty goal of one billion customers by twenty thirty, is we need to have the best team in place. So, over the past year, year years, we have grown our team at Luno, uh, Luno employees to eight hundred uh, across our global offices, with a with a, a sizable chunk of the eight hundred still being based in South Africa, which I'm very proud to say because we we were founded in South Africa, um, and. You know, if we want to if we want to reach more people, we need to expand our footprint. So so we're also on a mission to to be one of the most widely recognized and, and accessible crypto cryptocurrency brands across the world. So for the coming year, we are looking we will look to, to take Luna into new new regions. As of Monday this week, Luna is available in, in the US, in New Jersey. So people from New Jersey can can open Luna accounts. Um, and we'll be looking to expand, you know, across the U.S. as well over the course of the year. Um, Africa is interesting. So we're hoping to expand our footprint across East Africa. We're really active in, in Uganda. So we think it's a promising region. Um, and then, as we said earlier, I think we initially, um, you know, Bitcoin was the, the only and the dominant crypto for for, for quite a long time. Um, we wanted to keep things simple. Um as magic internet money, as many people refer to crypto, can be quite a complex uh, topic to to grasp and to fully understand. But we think the time is now, the time has arrived. Um, We we now have access and we've got new cryptocurrencies offering different use cases and providing utility to consumers. So for that reason, we will be looking to add four or five new new coins over the course of this year and and give our customers access to to more more investment options through, through new coins. So, and, and then I think lastly, which is sometimes an underrated topic is regulation. I think that's super important. We are you know, operating in this hybrid environment at this point where people still use fiat currencies, the dollar to transact, to invest into assets, to save, to borrow, um, and to perform all of the traditional functions that you would you know, uh, perform uh, through a bank or financial service provider we think that people will use cryptocurrencies in similar ways so people will 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 use for payments they will invest they will save they will borrow and lend and so we're evolving into this hybrid space and um i think uh critical to that is the introduction of regulation because a lot of people institutions still sit on the sidelines watching the market um watching it grows and the use cases develop but they're not able to participate so we're investing a lot of time and resources into um, positioning Luno you know, in certain markets, uh, so that we comply with local regulations, so that we comply with, so so that we you know we 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 approachable and and we are you know we, we provide consumers in those markets with comfort. So examples include Malaysia, Singapore. We're doing a lot of work in uh, with the the, the coming regulations uh, there, and um, then of course in the U.S., which is a very very complex you know um, country with with. Uh, you know, many different local nuances. So, a combination of these factors, Kieran, um, will, will hopefully help us to reach our, our goal by 2030. And hopefully I'm still around then to, to, uh, you know, to experience
1: that. <laughs> okay, good. All right, Sean, um, tell us about your year. Did you have a good year and, um, you know, I mean, uh, MoneyWeb readers will be very familiar with, you know, your top 10 bundle and you've also got a payments bundle and a smart contracts bundle. Are you going to be introducing more of these?
2: We are indeed. And I'm sorry, I just going to come back to what Mario said there as well, right? So Mario said, if you're going to be around by 2030, I think this is the case of, you know, when you're in the crypto space, you're aging four times as fast as, you know, the normal person. And then uh, when you're in the scale-up-slash-startup space, you're aging twice as fast. So, you know, you work that out, it's, it's, it's ride. Right. Um, but yes, we're going to be launching a variety of new products. So we've got sort of uh, two single cryptocurrencies that we launched later this month. Uh, that's Luna and Avax. Then we've got a DeFi bundle that we've got coming later this year. I mean, our job at the end of the day, much the same as Luna and Valor as well, is that we want to simplify the process of investing in crypto. But we are very investment focused, right? We're not really trying to move into sort of the payment space or anything like that. So if you want to get exposure to a crypto theme, whether that is, say, the metaverse uh, NFTs, Web 3.0, um maybe staking, you know, all of these areas. We want to just make it a lot easier for everyday people to get exposure to to these themes within the crypto space. Um, so those are the different products we're looking to launch to launch later this year. Uh, we've then got some savings vaults that we're looking to launch. Uh, those will be in South Africa and internationally, uh, much the same the as the Money we Web Crypto Podcast, where we, we discuss all things crypto related and uh, the Middle East. So. As soon as I find a little bit more time in the day or the ability to sleep faster, um, we'll be be sort of putting our foot down on the accelerator on that. Um, So that's quite exciting. We had a phenomenal uh, year last year, as I'm sure the other crypto platforms did as well. I mean, we grew Um, 1,200%. There's a bit of sort of a pinch yourself moment towards the end of the year. Um, And I'm really excited about what the space has to hold. Maybe the last thing I'll mention as well in the the world of Revix is that we're going to be launching a variety of traditional theme-based products. The, the Revix platform. When I say traditional theme-based products, um, you know our customers come to us because they want to invest in a specific theme within the crypto space. Maybe they want just broad-based exposure to the crypto market. They buy our top ten bundle. Um, maybe they want to invest, as you mentioned, in the smart contract space. They can buy a smart contract bundle. Um, but they've come to a lot of customers have come to us and said, "Well, listen, we'd love to invest in say medical cannabis, AI, space exploration, genomics." Um, you know, you go through all these themes that people can invest in. And we really want to be able to offer those. Um, so, in addition to the crypto we have on the platform, so I'm really excited to be able to launch those a little later this year.
1: Wow, <clears throat> gee, what about you? <clears throat> Excuse me, did, did you? Yeah. Um, can you be 1,200? <laughs> <That's a Rivix laughs> Not day? sure. I need to go run the
0: numbers. Actually, I think I need to go run the numbers. Um, but um, it was a bumper year for us as well. Um, I think we. It's our best. It's it has been our best year yet in 2021. Um, over one hundred and ten billion rand I think in aggregate value traded so far to the end of twenty twenty one Wow, um, we shared over seventy million rand with our customers in rewards and rebates to date by the end of by the end of last year um, and saw significant growth in our customer base customer base as well um, we 're always humble in in you know the, the fact that we 've got a long way to go. this market is still small um, and we 've got the whole world to uh, to go and 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 red pull into the crypto space, I think. Um, but we're, we're we're quite excited um, for some similar um, aspects, which includes international expansion. We're also looking to take Valor to new markets and and hopefully serve customers um, to the level of, of of quality that we've that we expect and that we love giving in South Africa. Um, we like we, we think of as in the exchange space, kind of two distinct pieces, right? The first is make it really easy and usable for the day to day user. That is a massive use case in itself. And then there's also this like crypto infrastructure piece, which is, you know, for others that might have really good ideas for building products um, in the crypto space. Um, why shouldn't Valor be the infrastructure on which they build that? Um, and that's a really exciting piece that we're that we're building out um, and already have started to make um, make movements into functions like sub accounts. We launched last year um, we're continuing to refine that in, in, in the coming year. Um, we're going to be um, expanding into a number of other um, Improvements to our product set on the exchange and expanding into other interesting products in the crypto space, also um, related to yield. Um, and I think, I think the last thing I'll say is probably like the most, the thing I'm most excited about um, for or proud of actually in the last year is the fact that we like something that you don't see often is the service that's that, that's given to customers. And I think like um, kudos to our client service team; they've done an excellent job of making sure that our customers are looked after.
1: Okay, yeah. I'm going to thank you all. We're going to wrap it up there. I think that was a great discussion. I feel enlightened. I think we've got some exciting things to look forward to. Uh, I'm very pleased to hear about the growth all of you experienced, and I'm sure this year is going to be uh, something else. And, and and we really have taken, um, you know, the 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 debate, I think, a little bit out of the, the bubble territory into, you know, what is the real use case? And uh, I, w- I want to thank you all for... Uh, helping us to come to that realization, and for joining us, so G, Giang Luca, uh, Marius, and Sean. Thanks very much for joining, and to our listeners and and people who've been watching. Thanks. Sorry we couldn't get to all the questions. I will go through them, and I will um, try and answer them to the best of my ability. But for now, goodbye.
0: Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.